A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Reddy, but my friends call me Spanners, so let's be friends. Happy New Year, and welcome to the second of our winter panel topic specials, where people from our varied crew of varying talents, looks, and competence come and join us in the shed to say hello with their topic of choice, and then we get to meet them a little bit, because they are, on the whole, apart from Kyle, fantastic people that I want you to really get to know and follow on their social medias. So today we are joined by Jonathan Simon. Hello, Jono. How's it going, Spanners? This podcast is going to be fun and it's good to be back with Mr. Apex. I haven't been on for a month. It's good to have me back. I like it. That's quite good with Mr. Apex where, you know, you're a real person with a real job. You're a, a reporter for actual news in Australia yeah. and and we don't like take too much of your time. So most of the panel kind of drop in once a month or so. Yeah, 100%. And for those that know me, I do live in Cairns at the moment and work here for the news. And there was a cyclone and some major floods this week. So it was been a pretty dramatic week to cover for news and, and report on. But uh, that's something we'll touch on a little bit later. Okay, just so you know, I understand all of those things sound very, very serious. But the, the topic of saving the World Constructors Championship is, is far more important, obviously. Um, so what, what's the topic you're coming in hand with today? Because we've got some help in the background as well. But it was you that came to me and said, we need to focus in on the constructors. Yep. Here's the problem with this topic is initially we needed to, I came to you and said, how to improve the constructors championship. You then rebutted it and said, save the constructors. Now I have a problem with both of those. <laughs> okay. In the fact that the constructors is already dead. So the title of this should be revive the constructors. Resurrect. Because at the moment, I don't think many people care about the world constructors championship. So we need to fix it and we need to find a way to make it more interesting or continue not caring about it. Never underestimate the power of apathy. So we are also joined in the shed. I'm delighted by one of our most charismatic panelists. It's Alex Van Jean. Hello, Alex. Hi, Spanners. How are you? I'm, happy I'm New Year and happy all that new stuff. Year. A new year 
new me. I've decided I'm going to be drastic this year. I'm changing everything. We're going to get rid of uh, Matt Trumpets with his tyre analysis. No more Bradley Philpott driver masterclass. No more <laughs> old journalistic integrity from Chris Stevens. No, it's just you and me, Alex. Hot takes, unsubstantiated claims and wild conspiracies from, from here on in the rest of the year. I'm all in. I'm 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 all in with that because I I, have, I didn't get on many shows this year just because calendar just clashed with everything I was doing this year. Um, I think I've done more of these non-race shows than I did race shows, considering yep. you have me as race analyst. So yes. Um. So yeah, I'm looking forward to this one because I've got opinions on on the constructors championship, and I agree no one cares. <laughs> I'd like people to care. I have to try and figure out how though. Okay, so look, towards the end of the show, I'm going to get into some of the reasons why Alex has not been able to join us on a lot of these shows, because his his kids, his very cute kids, are of a really awful age where they need a lot of time and attention. Uh, but at the end of these winter shows, we will hone in and we'll just have a little bit of a patron pod, remain indoors style chat with our panel. All right, so it's an interesting question. Before you say save the world constructors championship or even resurrect it, how much do we care about the Constructors' Championship? Because I upset, like, actual team people got in touch with me when I said no one cares about the Constructors' Championship. They took that, and I understand why, they took that to mean uh, no one cares about the teams except the drivers. But that, that's not what I mean. What I mean is the competition for me is which team can get one car entry higher than everybody else? Yeah, so that's the driver's championship. And to me, that's the most important thing. Like, you would you would never go, right, I've got two cars on equal points. We've won the constructors. We're really happy. You'd be much happier if one driver had two-thirds and you had the world champion. So let's start with you, Jono. Do you care about the world constructors championship? And that doesn't mean do you care about teams or not? No, I don't. And I remember there was a fond story. I remember, I think it might have been 2010 or 2011 or 2012. One of those Red Bull years with Sebastian Vettel and Mark Webber. And Vettel had wrapped up the driver's title, I think, weeks before. Mark Webber had crossed the line and Christian Horner's come on the radio and said, Mark Webber, we've won the Constructors title. Yay. And Mark Webber's gone. Great. Awesome. See you later. Nobody cares. Not even the drivers on the team who won the championship. And now that's the problem. And that's been like that for over a decade. Now, that was a decade ago. Now, do I care about the Constructors' Championship to answer what you're saying? No. And the reason is the way the sport's been marketed to me growing up personally and to all of us is the Drivers' Championship is the elite. It's what matters. It's what's thought about first. The Constructors' Championship's always been an afterthought. Now, we can delve into those problems a little bit later, whether it's building attachment to teams. For example, Ferrari's been around historically. People want Ferrari to win a championship. Haas has been around for seven years. Are you going to be attached to Haas winning a championship? Maybe not. No. Uh, see, th 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 this is the thing, Alex, the, the attachments. I mean, when you and I uh, are arguing about drivers or teams, we have a lot more arguments between our fandom of drivers because you think George Russell's good. And um, <laughs> you inexplicably think Perez is good. <laughs> yeah. So some of our biggest arguments is who can upset the other one the most by pointing out the flaws in their driver's performance. We've got a great friendship, <laughs> that, haven't we? <laughs> it, it does sound toxic when you say it out loud like that. So, uh, but we never have that argument about, you know, Williams and McLaren. And I sort of, you know, they're my, my teams, if you like. Same. And, and, and this, the whole, this whole thing. So I think the biggest problem with wanting um, to care about the team's championship, and I do want to care about the team's championship. I cared about Williams doing well. I cared about McLaren doing well because they're not manufacturers. 
And I think the biggest problem is, is you have a manufacturer come in and they're just the big evil. You know, I, I like Mercedes because I like Toto Wolf, yeah. but I don't really care that Mercedes is a team. I don't care so much, more so maybe about Ferrari. Red Bull feel like a manufacturer, cold manufacturer team. And that's probably why I don't care. I'd care more about the garage Easters as, um, Enzo Ferrari used to say, I'd care more about those guys because they're the plucky underdogs and us Brits love a plucky underdog. Oh, we do. We love like a Frank Bruno. You know, the more losses, the better. But... Or know what I mean, Harry. See, this is how I know I'm old. I say that to my kids, know what I mean, Harry, and they haven't got a clue what I'm saying. And Jono hasn't put Jono in media hasn't got a clue what we're saying either. So that means we're nearly dead, Alex. But no. um, if if say, oh, Hamilton fan, you're a Russell fan, Alex. If if those two drivers went right, we're we're off to Haas, we would find ourselves quickly drifting towards being, you know, quiet supporters of Haas. You know, we're much more attached, Jono, to to the drivers and. Uh, I think that is, you're right, it's from the way F1 has marketed it. So I don't think we're wrong necessarily. I think F1 has always pushed the Drivers' Championship as much more important. And I was watching the NBA the other day and I go, why do I want this team to win? And that's because the way it's, it's marketed. A team wins a championship. It's not, oh, LeBron James, the best player in the world at certain times the last decade, won the scoring title. So he's now all of a sudden... <laughs> yes great that's his title no it's about the team winning a trophy in formula one the way they market it is going max verstappen's won this driver's championship yay he's great and it's like i said before it's an afterthought of the constructors so the biggest problem here is we need to find a way to build attachment to teams now one thing i'm going to mention spanners before we go into all these ideas is i've got a yardstick and a rule and any idea that we come up with today especially alex van jeans is our (laughs) yardsticks are no idea can be worse than what Bernie Eccleston suggested, I think, in the late 2000s, his medal idea, where he said that was the Drivers' Championship is decided on medals. So if you win, that's gold, second silver, bronze, and all that. And that's how it's decided. That is was an awful idea. Lucky it never went through. If we think the idea is worse than that, we scrap it. It's out the window. We can't <laughs> use it. And if here's the other thing. My question to you guys is, do you feel the sport is designed against team play? Yeah. Because like I said, when you watch basketball or when you watch football, when you watch any other sport out there in the world, you want teams to win. In Formula One, you kind of want the team to rip each other apart. You (laughs) want the teammates to not get along. So So that's why you can't care about a Constructors' Championship. You hear much more that your closest rival is your teammate. That's like the leading line that is ever talked about when it comes to Formula One. And that's the way the drivers do feel, especially when they're fighting for... Um, a championship or they're fighting to keep their spot in the team because if you're a if you're in a position of a of a Haas driver you know if you're Kevin Magnussen and you've got Nico Hulkenberg coming in the last thing you want is for Nico to do a better job than you which is why Kevin is under so much um, pressure at the moment because he got beat by Hulk, who'd been out for two years or whatever he'd been out for yeah. and had his subs and super subs and stuff. So it's it's a really difficult situation to play because that's the way the sport advertises it. The sport needs to talk more about the teams. And we talk about the Bernie Eccleston, uh, Bernie Eccleston thing of the medals. For me, it's the opposite end of the spectrum. Every finishing car should get a point because then it means you do accumulate points. You don't have to, you know, you get like Yuki Tsunoda, who was really consistent finishing 11th loads of the time, but got hardly any points yeah. because 
he because he was just a one position outside the top 10. If you give it to every finishing driver, then that actually works out a decent amount of points and then the teams can really fight and then you can actually get invested in a team battle. Okay, so look, I think they definitely want to get into the point system. It feels like a, a slight tangent uh, away. So before we get too far into the points, I think you know this this idea mm-hmm. that the the way everything is set up discourages a, a real sense of team play. And it only works when there's nothing really on the line. So at the moment, Fred Vasseur is making a big deal of, oh, well, um, yeah, Leclerc helped Carlos Sainz by holding up Norris in one race. Yeah, because there's no title on the line. 100% that doesn't happen if there's a, a title on the line. Uh, Daniel Ricciardo and Max Verstappen used to like get on really well and do loads of social media stuff together because, again, they were on the rise, not fighting for a title. Sergio Perez and... Max Verstappen seemed to get on really well, especially towards the end of the season, because there was no threat. So there was no immediate threat. But the second Perez looked like a threat, like Monaco in qualifying, you know, at that time, we forget that he was actually quite competitive before he 100% on purpose caused a yellow flag to give him an advantage over Max Verstappen. So it kind of only works when there's, there's nothing on the line. When there's a reputational thing on the line, you suddenly see it changes. So George Russell is a great example of that. His his career is now going to be defined by how well he does against Lewis Hamilton in 2024. That's how much there is at stake. How how on earth can you do team play? And Mercedes as a as a team in 2023 was a disaster. They took loads of points off each other. They hit each other three or four times. If Mercedes are the only team that can compete with Red Bull next year, let's say it happens. Yeah. I don't think it's going to happen, but let's say it happens. Um, if that's the case and you have a competent George Russell, a Lewis Hamilton up against the Max Verstappen and Perez does as well as he did this year, Max will win again because the points that Lewis and George will just take off of each other, there will be no give, no yes. quarter given between them. It, it's, you know, and that'll just be... Brilliant if you're a Max Verstappen fan or a Red Bull fan. Um, <laughs> but if you want to see a fight at the front, you'll just see the Mercedes boys screwing each other over. And can I add to that quickly is this reminds me of 2007 with McLaren. It was the perfect situation where Alonso and Hamilton stole points off each other. And then they lost the championship by a point. They should each. have walked that championship. Yes. In, they should in have illegal car. It. But um, we won't mention the illegal car. But the point alleged, is, alleged back then, I remember... I remember watching F1 going, this is great, McLaren versus Ferrari. You could go on fan forums when I was on the internet and sneaking that in and people are having internet arguments with each other. And as you know, nobody argues on the internet, so that was a world first. Yeah. So, you know, in, in this situation, I go, how can we change? We, like, I would prefer, and, and don't get me wrong, I would prefer the sport the way it is now where we're with with the tension and the drama of drivers fighting for a title and not worry about the team thing. But also I came up with a very wacky idea in my head and I go, okay, how can we keep that driver thing but still support a team? You want this to appeal to people. The other day I was sitting in a pub and somebody who never watches F1 is like, I drive a Mercedes, I'm going to go for them. And I'm like, well, why don't we have a car for every manufacturer? (laughs) Have a Lada team for God's sake. Have like Toyota, bring them back. They haven't been back for 14 years. So bring, bring car manufacturers, that could appeal to people. Hey, maybe bring fast food restaurants that people go to. McDonald's, KFC. Who the hell knows? They've got Red Bull. They tried this a long time ago by, I can't remember what the series was called, but they used football teams. Uh, they, had, they had these V12 single-seaters 
um, and they had football teams. Ah. A, guy, a guy used to race with, a guy called Craig Dolby, used to race for oh, the yeah. Hotspur team. Um, I remember this. And, but it flopped because no one cared. <laughs> so I prefer to have teams named after my favourite betting platforms. And, and, you know, so I'm always betting <laughs> in Australia, which is why I'm supporting Stake F1 team next, next season. Um, you mean Sauber? No, Stake F1 team. And, and actually, you know, I'm a big fan of streaming platforms as well. So I'm, I'm just hoping, you know, there'll be a kick F1 team at some I'm, point. I'm, well. I'm a big fan of Stake. So. <laughs> it's But it is really, when a team brands itself, like Sauber is branding itself, that that makes it really hard to, to support a, a team, doesn't it? Like that, that is just basically feels like ripping the soul out of any semblance of, mm-hmm. of getting behind them. So, yeah. I mean, when was the last time Sauber were actually Sauber? Ooh, okay. Well, was that when Perez was, was there? It was fairly recent. White and black. Yeah, it was relatively recently. Yeah. That wasn't. Oh, recently. you're saying no? I swear it would have been twenty. Well, what were they in 2015, 2016? Around then it would have been. So at least like six, seven years ago. Middle-aged men googling things. A long time. That's the... <laughs> would you like well, to listen to I... us typing and uh, googling things, listeners? Thanks for that, Alex. <laughs> Thanks for that question. We can't answer spontaneously in an improv and informative style. But we're yeah, not live, well, so you can just pause it. I'm not going to. You know I can't bother to <laughs> edit anymore. we knew it the entire time. <laughs> well, the, the one thing I was going to add was, if we have the F1 quiz at the end of the year, is we, that a yes. question we were supposed to know? No. No right. question about it. If Catman had that question in, I would get it wrong. So Can I go back Catman to... would too. No, no, no. Quickly, I have to divert now and tell people we are oh, yeah. having a, a Christmas quiz or a pre-season quiz. I'm just trying to find out who's actually on the panel. It's going to be Brad and Kyle because they're just annoying with quizzes like they know all the things don't they so it'll be chris catman turner who you heard on the christmas episode and it'll be brad philpot jules sagers who's very knowledgeable and kyle power uh, who just seems to anything he knows he retains and he remembers and then the fourth person on that quiz is going to be me <laughs> so i'm just going to get humiliated because i can't recall things but we are working on a system where we're going to do it live and you will have a an app on your phone so you can play along in real time and that will generate a, a winner from people listening on the live stream. So that'll be should be fun. All right, sorry, Johnny. No, I like it. I'll tune into that mm. more than I would for a constructors championship sort of battle right. like we there did for go. the last race of this F one season. So nice. back to Van Jean's idea about the points. I agree about changing the point system. And here's the reason why. My my next idea to try and improve and add some spice to the constructors championship is why don't we have penalty points? Now, we had penalty points, I, I you know, for the licenses and, and, the, and that kind of stuff. But I mean, actual for the, you know, for the constructor's point system here. So, for example, a driver changes an engine or a power unit, 10, grace bid, 10 place grid penalty. But along with that, give them a five point penalty in the constructors. So that's an option there as well. Now, you, that won't work with the current point system we have because I think the bottom six teams will all end on zero points or be a negative. So what you need to do is increase the weighting of the points. Like the winner gets 250 points instead of 25, for example, and you get points all the way down to, to P20. So I thought that's an idea the way, you know what, that would add some spice to the constructors. Now, all of a sudden, a team goes, oh, let's give somebody a 10-place grid penalty. Damn, Ferrari's now third in the constructors, not second, and they could lose thirty million dollars. I think that's interesting. Uh, that, yeah, I think that could add to it, but also you would you would still have to care in the first place about the constructors. And I think at the moment, like we don't care. So if we'd got into the final race and like they really, really tried hard on the broadcasts to big up the battle for, like not even first place, like they were bigging up the battle. 
for second place in the constructors. Who's going to clinch it? And like universally, like if you looked on social media, people were like, guys, why are you pushing so hard? It Because all they had to push. I know. they but, had to push something. Because it's it, television and even, they have to. Even but if, Lewis and, and Charlotte Clerk had. Sort of. Did they? They folk, they well, Charles Leclerc was like gutted and trying to oh, was let oh, okay. Perez past him. Oh yeah, I remember that. Uh, no, so it wasn't Hamilton that cared; it was Russell that cared. Ham- Sorry, Russell. Ha- Hamilton. Yeah, Lewis, 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 Lewis yeah, Hamilton had emotionally Russell, checked out. Russell cared. That's that's why you confused me. But even if that was for first place in the constructors, I still think that would have been also of of passing interest. So at the moment, you, you know, we're we're saying, well, we don't care about like a a brand that's coming so no one's going to care about mm-hmm. stake f1 um the big manufacturers you're right there's there's a soullessness to to that and i think somehow renault managed to sorry that's um alex's add in the background you can hear so the, uh, so like renault ferrari huge names when i was was growing up so in my head they feel like quote unquote real f1 teams when mercedes comes in as a huge brand that felt like the most corporate entity that had entered f1 in a long time they spent a huge amount of money they had a huge amount of staff like i think people do forget that pre-cost cap the mercedes dominance was helped by having like double you know probably more than double the staff of of most teams so as much as i like toto wolf and the drivers at at mercedes it's very difficult to really attach and say well i'm a mercedes f1 fan and also like i know colchester united aren't going anywhere because that, that, that ground, you know, it would be a hassle to get rid of the ground now. And there's a whole, like, there's restaurants around it. But Mercedes could, at a, at a drop of a board meeting, could just, just leave F1 and go. I think that makes it hard. Yeah. You know, where are the teams, the teams from when I was growing up, they're all sort of gone now, you know? So where's, where's BMW? Where's Toyota? I can't go, oh, yeah, I'm a lifelong Toyota fan. Oh, man, oh, I've got a Jaguar F1 tattoo <laughs> on my chest. And now they've gone. Yeah, you had the same thing with the likes of, you know, the, the it was always the plucky teams, the Ligiers of the world, you know. Um, you know, even when uh, those three new teams came in, yeah. it was it was an exciting battle to see which one of those three would win out of those three because it felt like a separate championship. So it makes such a difference when there is a personality to the team. And yeah, you know, I've, I would say I like Mercedes, but I'm not a Mercedes fan. I'm a McLaren fan. You know, and it's hurt for the last however many blooming years it's been. Exactly, that have been, exactly ten years. It's been, been, been fumbling, and that and, yeah. and and that has really hurt. And I've loved the resurgence of them this year. Okay, it's great they've got two drivers that I like as well, which really really helps. But I always like to see Williams do well. I'm glad Williams yeah. have an Alex Albon who could actually do something in that car, even if it is only in a practice session. Okay, so here, here's something key then. I'm thinking back to when I was a kid growing up, I would be a, a supporter of a driver because they raced for Williams. Now, I'm surprising myself here because I don't think there's any team now where I would go, even Williams, I wouldn't be like, oh, I am now a Sergeant fan because he's driving for Williams. But, you know, in the before time, like definitely, you know, the fact that Coulthard appeared on the scene and um, and was a, a, a driver for Williams, that that was a big deal. That immediately made me want to kind of to wish him well but i kind of i don't feel like that's that exists anymore um, especially in the sort of franchise world where the names just get you know swapped over like we could end up with mcdonald's f1 team sauber at some point 
Could you imagine how ugly that car would be? Yellow oh, and yuck. Um, but the, the, the difference is as well is they're not they're not none of the teams are attached to a a town or a place, which is why football works. You yeah. know, most people who live in where I am, north of London, that kind of thing, you know, are Tottenham, Arsenal, yeah, Chelsea yeah, yeah. fans. But when you say that. Um, you don't support a team because you support a player. When I was a kid, I used to play left wing and I was a Ryan Giggs fan. And I really like Ryan Giggs because Ryan, I can't, can't really say that these days, but I was a Ryan Giggs fan and he played for United <laughs> and I supported United for the entire time that I watched football. Um, I always got asked the question, what if Ryan Giggs left? Luckily, I didn't have to answer that question. Um, but by the time he retired, I was I was an adult and didn't care about football anymore. Okay. But, yeah. So I think I think not being attached to a town or a place really has an effect on who you support. Can I add to that quickly, which is the way the sport's designed, like I said, is, is for a driver, you know, for the driver to do well. And think of it like tennis. Like when you watch tennis, you watch singles tennis. You know, oh, Serena Williams won or, you know, Andy Murray or Novak Djokovic. You don't go, who won the doubles? Who, who you know, nobody nobody's fussed about that kind of stuff. So... Here's what I think about this, right? You're not going to have bus F1 racing where like you have a person in a driver's seat and a, and a bus full of 20 people wearing their seatbelts racing, waving themselves and egging each other on like it's team sport. Like, that's just not going to happen. I think the way the sport's designed, like we said, is for the circumstances to be against the Constructors' Championship. I, I think can we? I think it's dead. Can we just confirm that? Can we confirm that it's dead? It's not being revived? And can we just come up with make ways to make it more interesting right now rather yeah. than to save it? Because I don't think this can be saved. Oh, yeah. So we can't make people care about the constructors when fundamentally the sport isn't built around that. But I just want to emphasize that that doesn't mean we don't care about, you know, the, the teams. I do very much care about the people in the F1 teams, especially the ones that DM me juicy information. But we we rate that success by who can elevate their their champion, their driver, highest up the table. And can I just say, in 2021, the controversial Abu Dhabi race, Mercedes won the constructors, and they yeah. were distraught at the end of the race because who cares about the constructors? It was all about Max Verstappen versus Lewis Hamilton. So again, if the teams don't even care about them, them themselves, I'm not saying they don't, I'm just saying in that situation, normally if this was a team, a, a sport designed for the teams, they would be sitting there going, oh, bad luck, Lewis, pat on the back. But yeah, let's go party. We won the constructors. Instead, it wasn't. So you've got that side marketed too. And it's just the way it is. Well, not saying that's wrong. It's just there the way was it is. some footage of Toto Wolf in a nightclub later that day. So they sure. definitely party. <laughs> yeah, they yeah, definitely yeah. party. Either way, Alex. But, but you, you party for different reasons mm. sometimes, don't you? Um, I think also part of it is the broadcasters could do more. The broadcasters could do more to shine a light on the people in the teams what they do, who they are. You know, we hear nothing really about the amazing work they do in things like pit stops. You know, mm. those, those, how many people are in a, how many people are in a pit crew? 20 now, 21 people in a pit crew, mm. something like that. We know nothing about who any of them are. Oh, and if we sorry, knew who yeah. any of them were, then maybe people might care a bit more. So it's not a case of, you know, this resuscitation more, more of anything else, of just try and make people care by putting people in front of them they might care about. It's why people care about Haas, because of Drive to Survive and Gunter Steiner. Okay, but wait Would a minute. You... Yeah, I was going to say, like, do you want to put that pressure on like Derek on the front jack, that there's like trading cards and trump cards? And you're like, you think they're yes. not under pressure? Well, no, they are. But you think would be, they're not in a pressure environment? It would be even more. Obviously, if, they've got to want to do it. But <laughs> if there was kids at home who were like, okay, um, Derek Front Jackerson, uh, 
lifting skills 97 and they're like ah oh, he's the worst front jack man in the whole game <laughs> do we i don't know if we're ready to put those guys under that spotlight remember uh, Haas were on the verge of a good result uh, early one season with Roman Grosjean and there was the guy Australia. that yeah the guy messed up the got the wheel nut stuck and he lost on both cars well did it happen on both cars did it oh, it was probably not his fault then but they were inconsolable and there was pictures of Grosjean hugging him and everything and you go I don't, I don't know if those guys get paid enough. You'd have to increase their pay if you wanted to zoom in and have people like on the internet going, oh, I can't believe Derek Turnipson messed up the fuel hose again. Like, he's the worst. Get him out of the sport. I bet there's a few of them who wouldn't mind being shot in front of the camera. <laughs> but <laughs> but they're, they're, we're, well, they're, they're, if we've got three narcissists in this chat. There's bound to be at least several <laughs> hundred of them in the pit lane. You, you'd get paid. You'd get pay pit people. Who like like you'd get like a stroll version of stroll like a billionaire who's like buys his way into the team to be on, on the front right hand thing. Influencers get influencers. <laughs> no, don't do that. Jono, sorry. It bonus points for for pit stops. We have bonus points for fastest laps. Bonus points for pit stops. Who says no for the constructors' championship? Bonus points for pit stops. So well, you just give one. You just give one point. One point. Yeah. For, I would for do the that. fastest pit stop. Yes, it's a bit arbitrary, and what? But you... then it it creates competition around but... that too. But see, it's not Alex one idea here that's going to make the constructors more interesting. It's a collection of adding these together. Now you don't want it to become a circus, but you want it to become more interesting. They I... are actively discouraging fast pit stops, though. They put a whole regulation in a couple of seasons ago to slow pit stops down because no. they don't <laughs> want them going super fast because it's dangerous. Okay, and Alex, I do. Wanna... I know that sounds yeah. really bar humbug and old man of me, but. It is what it is. Beg your pardon, people yeah, who think right. we're talking over each other. We're experiencing a, a bit of lag because uh, Jono is on the other side of the world. But what it does mean is that <laughs> later on, after the show, we're both going to put a bit of bread on the ground outside our houses and we can make an earth sandwich, Jono. We should do <laughs> oh, that. I've heard that one before. We're going to do I've it. I've heard that one. It's the most fun. And we're going to take selfies and we're going to be smiling while we do it. Um, so... I want to take issue with Alex saying that it's arbitrary to give a point for the pit stop. Your point is well made that they this idea is out of the window because they, they don't want people going for the fastest possible pit stop at, at all costs. But all, all the points here are arbitrary. A point for the fastest lap, that was argued with quite a lot. Uh, points for the sprint race, didn't that come in like a little bit later? I don't think there was... Um, mm. It was setting the grid, wasn't it, initially? And then the points for the sprint race came in afterwards. So all of these things are completely arbitrary i wonder really yeah. if the only way to make people care about the team championship would be to devalue the drivers championship so if you had something along the lines of okay there's 30 races a year but each driver can only race 20 races and it's all about you know the team so you've got to rotate your drivers if people were rotating the drivers and the drivers were a bit more like what bulby you know like i treat you guys on this show that would be the only way, wouldn't it? To de- you'd have to devalue the drivers' championship. Wasn't that kind of what A1GP was? So we have A1GP, which was all about using nationalities. Each team was a different was a different country, and then they had they varied their drivers around. But again, it lasted a season and a half before mm. it went bust because no one cared. And this is the real shame because I I want people to care about the constructors. I try very hard to care about the constructors, and I think it's a I think it's a good thing to try and shine a light on the constructors championship but it, it it's about people which is why i said the pit lane people and, and the people in the in the paddock and, and, and the people around the team because 
people associate themselves with people and want to get behind and want a person to win rather than a team to win. And they put themselves behind a team because people are in the team. Does that make sense? I don't think we can reject Jono out of hand, though, that your vain efforts... So maybe that's where we should go to now. What are your vain efforts to make the Constructors' Championship more interesting? Imagine if you did have that fastest pit stop. Like, you get people stopping (laughs) for the soft tyres now to get that extra point. You can imagine them, everyone going, Mm. right, um, there's 20-second gaps all up and down the field, and then the last couple of laps is just people going, no, one more pit stop, we can get this. Well, then, then you introduce a rule where it's locked in, you know, with like 20 laps to go or, or something like that, you know, so to, to affect that. I'm sure we'll come up with ways to to introduce this sort of adequately and so it's not abused. But the same way you can do um, another idea I came up with, why doesn't the team that's leading the constructors going into the round have choice of pit lane position? And now they can put their car whenever they want. Have I got that wrong? Is that already introduced as a rule? Or am I thinking of a completely different motor racing <laughs> series at the moment? So, but the, I don't the- think the champions get the preferential pit stop so they get the first box and yeah, that they is get considered and that's considered the preferential box because yeah, you don't 100%. get any obstruction going in and normally exactly alex and normally every round like it's either it's either the first or the last depending on the track you're at now i think we've just hit our first yardstick moment which is that idea is dumb about <laughs> like the team that's leading the constructors picks their pit lane position so first yardstick moment, that's idea, that that's scrapped completely. Another idea which I had, which is very wacky, was do you get every team's budget that they spent for the last season and then do a little cost multiplier, like figure out some sort of formula where it's how many million you spent per point then yeah. puts your constructors championship position, you know, in that order. So for example, if you spent three trillion dollars and you scored a hundred yeah. points. But another team scored 99 points with 100 million. They win the Constructors' Championship because they spent less to get there. You know what I mean? In that oh. so when did you give them the championship? About 18 months afterwards <laughs> when they figured it all out. You get, you get the speediest accountants. The first person to get their work done wins the title or something like that. I mean, to be fair, on the cost cap side of things, with it, uh, surely there is technology in place where at the end of every month, the teams put in their expenses and it goes into a database and it's all monitored. Sure, there must be a way to do all this quicker with all the modern technology. You know, all the stuff Spanners has been putting out lately using AI. There must be something that the team's <laughs> no, I'm not. to make this quicker. I haven't been using AI. I've just re- I've just learned how to do uh, graphics and, and stuff. So Force India were long considered the best pound for pound constructor. And, you know, so that's what they did. They did a whole piece with points. How how much did you spend per point? And they did really well on that. But in the in the olden days, like nobody cared that Ferrari was spending more money. It was almost it was almost part of the sport mm. that there was a, a a kudos to that. There was like you know it was it's like having the biggest yacht. It's like yeah, we did spend lots of money to win because we're fabulous and have lots of money. And I think really Mercedes ruined that. If Mercedes had come in, dominated, and say. Uh, they'd won those first three seasons, but then Ferrari came back at them and won 17, won 18, won 2019. I don't think the cost cap comes in. It's only because Mercedes came in with that financial advantage and absolutely slapped the field around for like seven years. That's what's prompted the cost cap. I don't think without that, I don't think that cost cap comes in. The cost cap had been been trying to come yeah. in for a long time. It's why we got the bottom three teams. Mm. It's why Williams struggled so much because they were like, right, okay, we're going to have a £40 million budget. That's what we're going to base our team around. 
and then it never came and they just fell down the order um so i think that was kind of happening anyway uh but it probably didn't help but when you say people didn't care that ferrari was spending money people who supported ferrari didn't care that ferrari was spending <laughs> oh, money. Yeah, yeah. if you were yeah. a, a a nigel mansell fan or a damon hill fan <laughs> and a williams fan you're like how are we supposed to compete when mm. we don't have that kind of money there was a point as well i think in it was 2010 Germany. Do you, does everybody remember when the uh, Felipe had to let Alonso through at Hockenheim? And there was that full controversy with team orders. And then they fined Ferrari a hundred thousand, I think, euro or dollars. And I was like, don't they spend like four hundred million a year? Like, what is that? Yeah. That's like literally buying a cheeseburger from your fast. And then restaurant. they banned team orders. Yeah, or they even went to a point of banning yeah. communication between the drivers, which is even. Oh my god, that was so fun! It's worth googling and going back and see if you can find it. They banned the the pit the pits talking to the drivers and giving them any help or instructions at all. And they, there's this brilliant clip of Lewis Hamilton and Nico Rosberg just couldn't Baku. figure out which was it. Baku couldn't figure out which engine mode to be in, so Rosberg just diverted and back Kimmy. to the last one. And he was able to just get back to it. Hamilton was completely lost on his maps. And there's, there's a clip of him going, do you know what? Just tell me what to do. And they go, no, we can't tell you. Fine. I'm just going to start pressing any button. And they're like, Lewis, please, please don't do that. <laughs> a lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. It dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. No, wait, you, you get mixed up quickly. The the 2010 Ferrari thing was they unbanned team orders after that because they said this is ridiculous that you can't tell somebody ah, to let somebody through. Right. But what you guys are talking about was a few years later where, yes, it was ridiculous where all the drivers were going, oh, you know, what setting do I change? And I don't know what the hell you're talking about and blah, blah, blah. So it became a huge dilemma. See, that's the stuff I enjoy, you know, team rules and drama and F1. And how can we create that within teams? One thing I want to talk about is crowd support. When you watch the Italian Grand Prix and you see the Tifosi rally around Ferrari, when you watch the Dutch Grand Prix and watch everybody rally around Max Verstappen, 
I I can assure you if Max Verstappen was not in Formula One and there was a Dutch, solely Dutch F1 team out there, they would rally around that team this way the Tifosi do. So that's what I, you know, that's what I wasn't think. Spike I, a Dutch. Mm, yeah, I don't remember uh, hordes of. There was no Dutch Grand Prix though. Yeah, it's like we can't test that. There's no Swiss Grand Prix to see if there'd be a huge uh, stake F1 turnout. Are the Australians going to go mad for stake F1 now that they've got an Australian <laughs> team? But yeah, no, I, I yeah, I think I'm on Alex's side there. I I don't well, think hey, the, the Orange Army turns out for a a Dutch team that drives in orange. The du- the Dutch fans have turned out because they're they're, they're the Dutch guy doing very well. The, the, the um, it seems to be the case they do do get behind a glory in that sense um i've got dutch family and that's what they do they've all jumped on board with <laughs> f1 in the last few years and none of them cared about f1 when i first when i when 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 we were younger so uh it's it's a, it, there's a lot of glory hunting in there as well with a lot of people but the only one and again it proves my point from before is you mentioned about the tofosi because it's location based they are it, they are Italy's team. Good point. So we support Italy. We support Ferrari. They love every single Ferrari driver that has ever been and ever will be because they drive for Ferrari. And how do a lot of Italian people grow up? And even Australian Italians, I know, they've grown up to be told, hey, this is your team. They're Italian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Support them. And they go crazy for them. And that's how they're raised. So how can we raise this next generation to support teams? Like, surely there's some, you know, Germans out there or some Austrians that go, I'm going to support Red Bull or Mercedes the way they do. Even though Ferrari fans who are so behind Ferrari, I think, the I'll take a poll, but I think the vast majority of Ferrari fans would still take the Ferrari driver winning the championship over the Constructors' Championship. Like they, they wanted Schumacher up there. He's the hero. They were all behind Alonso. You know, they didn't, they weren't sitting there complaining week in, week out, like, why aren't Massa and Raikkonen, you know, uh, getting a, a fair shake of the stick? When at Interlagos, they, they cracked open Felipe Massa's gearbox just to clear the path for Fernando Alonso to get another couple of grid spots. They deliberately gave Massa a five-second penalty. Ferrari fans weren't in uproar about that because they know it's all about that one driver. They called it genius. Yeah, there you go. Okay, so we set out with the intention of saving the World Constructors' Championship. And I, I did wonder whether I was the one that was being negative. My panel here seemed to kind of agree with me. I I would just, I think, prefer to for the emotional uh, energy that we put into the Drivers' Championship just kind of be transferred and shared to the teams. So just know that if I am saying I would prefer the Drivers' Championship you know, in my heart, that when I'm cheering for, say, uh, Lewis Hamilton, I'm appreciating the efforts of all the teams, every front jack person, all the mechanics. I understand that it is a huge, huge team game. It's just that the measure of that overall success for me is getting a driver highest in the driver's table. But, Jono, quick fire. We know it's a hopeless task, but give us some ideas yeah. how to save the world constructors, and me and uh, Alex will tell you why they're stupid. Uh, I, the, yeah, I think all the good ideas have already been pitched, so this is not going to look good to end the pod. But I'm thinking, <laughs> what, do we add like minutes and seconds to the constructors' uh, championship as well? Do we measure it that way? Explain. I, I I just threw it out there. So, for example, I don't know, somebody wins a race and then you finish 10 seconds behind, your teammate finishes 15 seconds behind the leader, 
So that's a combined 25 seconds. Oh, and then you measure it based on that. I actually, I don't think I mind that because if we're already not caring about the the constructors, so for the drivers, it's just straight points, but for the, for the teams, yeah, it would get complicated with DNFs, but in theory, you kind of go, yeah, Verstappen won by 10 seconds, but Perez was 20 seconds behind. So like a net minus 10 seconds. But then with a DNF, you just go, all right, grab the fastest lap of the race and just added 30 seconds to it. Okay. And then that's your DNF sort of default. Yep, that idea is terrible. Next, <laughs> <laughs> that that broke the Bernie so yardstick already. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Can't ever word. see that getting confusing ever. Now, not really an idea to maybe improve the the constructors, but more so, would you be opposed to like a luxury tax? So, for example, if a team is let's say in the top ten percent of uh, within the budget cap, and, it, and there's another team that spends fifty percent or below the budget cap, for example those rich teams have to pay a little bit of a small percentage of tax to the bottom teams to help them grow and become better in the sport and create more even even keel and even field because that will help support more teams come into the sport. You could get an 11th, 12th, 13th team by doing that. So financially get- sustainable. It, it's what should have happened in 2010 when those three, four teams are introduced. The problem is I think they're all hitting the budget cap now. So I don't, well, think, in- I don't think anyone is really, especially significantly under the budget cap. Haas might be, but I know Williams' whole point of Doralton was Williams can hit the budget cap. Um, obviously, Alpha Tauri aren't going to have that issue. See, this would have been a great idea when there wasn't a budget cap. Yep. And then you might not have needed a budget cap. <laughs> okay. You know what I mean? Because what happens with a budget cap now is you're limiting growth amongst everyone in the sport because no one can spend as much as they want. And now you're, you're sort of condensing things. Whereas why don't you just have a luxury tax where... You start paying the bottom teams a little bit more. They grow. Everyone else grows because they get to spend. And now the whole sport pushes itself forward with spending. I don't know. Maybe that's a bad idea, but I just thought it throw it out there. Well, in the in the in the before time, it was we had the opposite of that. So the prize money is structured so that the, the better you do, the more money you've got. And in theory, that would have been the more money you've got to spend going forward for the next title. Where that where that kind of broke down was it wouldn't have mattered if Mercedes had a, a season where they finished fifth because they're not relying on that prize money to then go forward and develop their car. They've got Daimler in the in the background. There, there's no fair prize money distribution spanners because Ferrari got all the money every year for the last 20, 25 years. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they notoriously took more money from Formula One in the eight years that Mercedes were dominant than Mercedes did. Yep. So in in theory, I mean, I'm a hippie like you, but what you're suggesting is <laughs> F1 communism, whereas you know the the top teams <laughs> not only have a bigger budget, but they they have the power to to veto anything like that. So Red Bull have got billions, you know, behind them. For them, it's you know a choice of how much money to spend, and it's all down to the enthusiasm of your, your benefactor, if you like. And that's where Renault fell down, wasn't it? So Renault could have come mm-hmm. in. You know, with all the power of the richest moto manufacturer in the world, but their their commitment didn't match that of Mercedes. And there's a there's a bigger complex issue with this. Is obviously the sport for decades has tried to reduce spending to keep teams sustainable, and so because it was blowing out of proportion at one yeah. stage. But the reason I'm bringing this up is, and I know it might not tie in directly to improving the constructors, but why regulate all teams to a budget cap when, like I said. The teams that have the money, they should be charged for spending that much 
And that should discourage them from spending much because if they spend too much, then the portion of that big spend has to then go to the other teams uh, they're competing with. I'm and with then you. what that yeah. does is it it grows the bottom teams. And then you get this cycle where everyone's spending, everyone's sustainable, everyone's got money, and it all works out for the best. And I assume you're talking about things that are outside the budget cap now as well. So it's like, yeah, Mercedes, yeah. if you want to have that luxury motorhome, just know that every extra pound you spend, you've got to distribute 50p to... Cars who are out eating out of a cardboard box, and that will discourage spending. I can tell you because now you spend four hundred million. That now is four hundred. That's what like two hundred and sixty-five million then taxed if you do the math. I know math is hard. The floor in this is how does that make me care about the World Constructors Championship? (laughs) <laughs> but also you'll have very clever accountants i mean red bull were able to attribute the majority of their overspend the other year to to making chicken wings so you know oh, I, or a tax shadow rebate. to feel oh, yeah, well, yeah or a tax a, rebate which, i but, shadow to think what the teams will come up with did uh did they ever get that tax rebate back by the way red bull did that ever come through did that check come through to the post funnily enough it hasn't been reported has it not been reported oh that's interesting okay Okay, cool. Uh, but I don't think that in any way will make me care uh, about the constructors. I think it's a fair effort. Well, there you go. But um, the the uh, I think the closest you've come to persuading me it can be saved is to having a completely different point system for the constructors uh, than uh, the drivers' championship. So all the individual ideas, I think they're completely unworkable. Like an extra point for a pit stop, your aggregate time system which would, my goodness, that would be a massive headache. But if there was something, if there was some magic bullet that made the constructors its own kind of championship rather than this this shadow points. So I think one to explore, Alex, is your points all the way down the table for the constructors, um, especially at the bottom, because you just, you just see that, you know, 10 cars all scoring equal amounts of zero points is, is objectively uninteresting. So It means nothing. No one cares. Yeah. Because nothing changes race to race. But if all of a sudden um, Haas have two cars finish and Williams don't... It's a big that's, difference. That's a big jump for those teams and that fight in that Constructors' Championship and that fight for the extra money mm. where people will care more about it. But at the moment, no one, if you're outside the top 10, no one cares. So you could still have, okay, for a driver finishing P12 is, is not so exciting... But you won't get Alonso going, oh, I think there's something wrong with the suspension. I need to park it and go home and see my girlfriend. You would have the team going, no, there's still team points on the the table here, Fernando. Yeah, no, I like that. And um, actually, yeah, you're right. You could actually keep the current points for the drivers exactly the same um, because that's fine. But if the constructor's points changes, that's even different. But I don't mind putting that point system on the drivers as well because then you would have other drivers mm. fighting the way through and if you have someone fighting for the title and they have a bad race and they finish 11th or 12th it's not a complete bust so the, the reason i said uh, don't do it on the drivers do it on the constructors is there is there will be resistance to this idea and there's always you know 60 year olds stupid old people who are going oh but uh, a championship point is so special you can't just give it away down the field yeah, it used to only get them up to P6. Like, that would be stupid now. No one would revert Ridiculous. back to the top six only getting points. So there isn't something special and magical about a point. It's, this is just how we grade their finishing positions. But there will be more opposition to the driver's points going all the way down. No one will care if we mess with the constructors. I remember 2002 Australia when Minardi and Mark Webber finished fifth and got two points. That was like as many points as that team scored in, in what, 20 years or, or something? Yep. I'm, you know, I'm being a 
sarcastic but it was to them was like wow this is scarce you know these resources so i don't know it's uh i think what i don't like as well is like what nascar do with that whole playoff system and i i think the problem with motorsport as well is when when these i go to american sports league and i go right there's a playoff system for these to determine who's the best team okay yeah and in this playoff system you go uh okay these teams play in a series of five or seven games they end up you know premier league the, the league title is determined by who's leading the standings, you know, at the end of the season and blah, blah, blah. In motorsport, you can be 1 million points up in NASCAR. And then for some reason, when it comes to the final race, your engine dials and you're what? Now you're no longer the best driver and you don't win the championship. Like that doesn't make any sense. So yeah. I think these sort of, what, what I also think rebut some of our ideas is we can't turn motorsport into a circus, even though it is kind of ironically a little bit of a rolling circus, but we just can't come up with ideas that, um, just just sort of as as Alex said earlier in the podcast and alluded to can't be arbitrary needs to be earned mm-hmm. but let's not go down the american route of sports i think there's something well of course it is an american sport now but something fundamental that the americans do differently to anglo euro australasian sports is like they cannot stand a draw and this is something controvert uh, i've had to really get my head around um especially with the dts fans that have come in love them and with the stuff I've done on The Ringer, speaking to broadly like newer American fans, they, they abhor a draw. So American sports, you can't tie. So that whole safety car thing in Abu Dhabi, you know, I was speaking to people in North America and I was like, well, just, you know, just finish under the safety car. That's completely normal. He'd won the race. There was a late safety car. Just finish under the safety car. And like nearly all Americans I spoke to were like, no, you can't. No, you can't do that. There's got to be a showdown in American mm. sports. And like all their seasons, in baseball, isn't it? It's, it's pretty meaningless all the way through the season. Then they have the series of playoff games where you can, yeah, you know, then the, the, you can't predict the winner. So I don't think they could even have just like a Premier League season, you know, where you just accumulate your points. So they, they just hate that kind of stuff. So if F1 was to go down that road where they go, okay, you've been fighting all season, but now it's this last series of five races is all that matters, you kind of go, oh. That would, that now would you have it. to pick now for the final race of the season you have to pick your car out of a hat yeah yeah exactly exactly <laughs> and, 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 and max gets Haas, and lewis gets williams and and the, perez wins <laughs> the reason i brought this up was what like you wouldn't do this for the constructors right like you certainly wouldn't do it for the drivers you'd leave the drivers mm. as is i think the format at the moment kind of works unless there's a the only reason and the only time the driver's championship doesn't work is when there's a dominant car it's ruined Apart from that, the Drivers' Championship format currently works. It's like the Premier League system. But the Constructors' Championship, do you then all of a sudden go five races to go, let's do a knockout system. Let's go with, oh, okay, um, top team who's first, then versus the 10th team. And whoever scores more points in that race then advances and faces the next team in the knockout round. That could work. I'd like to say this was a good effort to save the World Constructors' Championship, but I think we have to be honest and say we've... It's a fair effort, failed. but we have completely failed. So let's meet the panel. I don't, you know, I don't want you to feel bad about that, John. I think you came in with uh, fair prep. And I, this is what I really like. I like when people turn up on Miss Apex. You've, you've done research, you've got a structure, and you've gone, right, I'm going to put it to these people. And then we've kind of just been mean and gone, no. It was an impossible mission, John. Yeah. But you tried. It was. Oh, you were definitely set up to fail. <laughs> <Definitely> <laughs> set up to fail. Yes. No, I was. The circumstances were against us because 
the market determines what people care about and nobody cares about the constructors yeah. championship as i was writing it i had stockholm syndrome and was like i don't think i like what i'm writing here but i'm like we're gonna roll with it we're going live soon so i, I even you know, tried putting it into it. an ai model suggest things to save the <laughs> constructors championship but there was nothing um so even <laughs> even the our future robot overlords don't know how um but i want to get chatting to the two of you very much in different stages of your of your life so me and alex are in the and this is why Alex hasn't been on a lot of shows this year. We're in that stage. I'm just getting out of it because I've got my son, my kids are teenagers now. So they're, they're somewhat more independent. I can lock myself in this shed and they will eat food. It won't be good food uh, and they will get to bed eventually with their eyes square from Xbox and VR. But Alex is still very much in that. Uh, they need you to live. That's how useless yeah. your kids are. Um, but that will change. That It passes. It goes before you even think about it. But let's start with Jono, because Jono, you're like in the in the most flourishing, fresh part of life. You're 27 years old? Yes. 27. Well, is you're, that flourishing? You, you is are, that a good part of life? You're now, you're at the flower point of your, your life, where you're attracting bees <laughs> and pollinators. Me and Alex are wilted on the vines. It's, it's peak. You're yeah. at peak. Unfortunately, it's downhill from now on. You got, oh, you got, you got, you have two more good, you have two more good years and then you hit 30 <laughs> and then it's all gone. Your joints will well, never be better. You'll never feel stronger. You'll never have more energy. I remember when people were telling me when I was like 17, 18, finishing high school going, make the most of university years. And I did. And now I look back at it and go, wow, that was a great time. I could just go and study and then go and party mm-hmm. and then come home and then just chill <laughs> and then go to work. And it, now it's like, all you do is work. It's all you do 24-7. You're just working all the time. But you're, are you though? Because you know, the advice I pass on to my kids is find something you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Now you have really gone and pursued one of the hardest areas of life and professionalism to get into. You want to be a professional out loud talker. And at the moment, like, what's your job at the moment? You're you're working in news, and you're a reporter, and you're a good reporter. Oh well, thank you, Spanners. Uh, I, I you know I'll take that humbly. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm working up in Cairns. I work for Seven News here, which is I think uh, I think we're ranked number one for sort of viewers for news in Australia, which is great, and it's an awesome opportunity. Basically, I cover sports up here. The brilliant part about it is uh, we've got a national team here. We've got the NBL, which is like basketball. It's one of the top basketball leagues in the world. I cover the Cairns Taipans. There's NRL content, there's AFL, there's all these different random sports. Hey, I cover soccer up here. I know you guys call it football, but that's popular around here as well. And it's great to sort of um, delve into so many different sports and things and look to write TV stories every day of the week is is something I, I never thought I'd be doing. I'm in this industry for doing what you do right now, Spanners, is I, I want to podcast, I want to commentate, I want to be a professional talker. So it's, you know, again, you, you take sidesteps and pathways and you don't end up where you think you're going to end up, but it's been fun so far. And it's a, it's a stressful job at times. It's fun at times, but it's been great. What people don't always realize about the reporters, and I only realized one, once I was working in, in radio, is you're not like getting a script from someone and reading the thing out. Like it's up to you to compile you know, research that story and then present your findings, if you like, back to this TV camera. And I, I don't, people only see the swan on the top of the lake and not the legs. Yeah, no, there's a lot of work. Like, we'll, you know, we'll get up at what, eight o'clock in the morning. We start eight our day. O'clock. We talk about, 
Yeah, which is, you know, for isn't that sunrise over in the UK during winter times? I think there's not always Yeah, but sun... I've been awake for an hour and a half, an hour and 45 minutes before that, at least. There's not always sun well, at 8, no, no. 8 in the UK. I, 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 I maybe said that wrong, sorry. Like, normally you get to work, you know, early in the morning, and then what yeah. you do is you already know your story for the day unless yes. something's happened overnight. Like, look, if the Prime Minister gets shot overnight, yeah, you've got to cover that, and you've got to make sure you get to work and be like, all right, that's top story, right? You can't be going with what you planned. Yeah. But uh, in... in you know, the rare case that that happens, I don't think it's ever happened in Australia, thankfully. Um, you, you do come in with a plan and you're chasing people up. You're chasing facts. You're chasing interviews. You're trying to get people on camera. And that's the thing we do is we do television news, whereas people who are writers, and there's a lot of journalists and writers out there, they can just do an interview over the phone and they have to write a big yarn. Yeah. But we need to go and meet and get them on camera. And so that becomes a challenge. And then goes out live at the end of the day and it's it's a minute 20 sometimes. And I go, I just worked like literally seven hours to do two one minute 20 news pieces i'm like <laughs> yes. wow that was a lot of work so it was nothing i i, I think from from getting to know you over the last couple of years to me you feel like much more like a presenter like i could see you as a radio presenter tv presenter um, and it's and it's nice because it's like the useful idiot role the real work in those kind of news desks tv shows uh, radio studios is is the role that you're doing at the moment now so i remember for example i got i got parachuted in on the day that Britain left the European Union. And and I, I'm not that of guy. Of which you have no opinions. I have no strong opinions one way or the other. They're like, yeah, yeah, you know, you can't like be pro one side or another side. I'm like, oh, thankfully, I'm really neutral on us. <laughs> national. <laughs> for no reason to pander to a <laughs> bubble. But I didn't say any of that on air. But everything from the dumb presenter role was handed to me by people like you so the news person the equivalent of the jono not only did all the research but handed me the questions to ask her so i'm there going oh um hannah were, uh, is there any chance that this could somehow improve our financial situation and then she pretended that it was equally well maybe maybe not and that's something when we you know I've, i also cover the supercar z series with them i've been doing that for a few years now and when we jump on on television and we sort of go out and present and commentate and do all this stuff, it's like, but nobody sees all the people behind the scenes who are flicking the buttons and making sure you're ready and, and all this kind of stuff. It kind of, the way I put it, Spanners, is presenting, whether it's radio or television or whatnot, it's kind of like Formula One. Yes, I was going to say, yeah. and, and you need to sell the product and you need yeah. to be the Max Verstappen or Lewis Hamilton that's going to win the race. And you can make the difference like that. But there's like 400 other people who are building the car and doing all the work behind the scenes that don't get any credit for it. That's actually, it's not a bad analogy at all because I did I did feel like that. I felt that when I got drafted in on like what happened to be a heavy news day and you go like, I, I'm essentially ballast here. Like it's, it's, it's much more likely that someone else is going to make a mistake and that will be critical than whether I say a word wrong or lose the ability to read for 30 seconds. Um, but, I, but I think, Jonna, you're getting a... Uh, a real good insight into the industry, you know, doing that. In fact, do you know what I could see you hosting is like match of the day or like a late night talk show. That's what I could see you doing. I, I think, Spanners, do you agree that talent is very important? Work ethic is very important, of course. How much do you think relationships matter? Because that's big in this industry. I, oh, yeah. Having a, like a famous dad <laughs> would be great, wouldn't it? I think the, the problem is you, you do, there's so much nepotism in the industry and from what I've seen, you go, the people who are, are have opportunities and contacts get more and more chances. 
So I think we had this, Alex, you know, if you look at like Brad. Just work hard, Spanners. Just work hard. Just, just work hard. Why don't you just work hard and use your contacts? But <laughs> if you look at Formula One drivers or, or race drivers, uh, I think Brad told a story. I don't know if this is public. Oh, no. Oh, let's risk it. Oh, uh, like he took a loan out. <laughs> he took a loan out to get a single seat, a race seat to get kind of one shot. But he was racing mm. against people who'd been there all season, who had the resources to keep failing. And it's the same, you know, with my wife and her struggles in, in music. It's a lot of the time it's having the resources and contacts to keep failing and trying again. Whereas people like us kind of get, you know, we get our one little shot if you're lucky. But that, I think Nigel Mansell did that as well at one stage. Or am I getting mixed up with drivers? Somebody took a loan out or mortgage on their Mickey house. Louder. Just race. Nicky Lauder. Oh, yeah, but was he was it? also, Mickey also he was wealthy. He was very, he came no, from a his, banking No, but his family. dad cut him off. His, he wanted to go racing. His dad said no. And he, he, he left his, that, he left oh, his family. That's rich kid stories. I'm sorry, no. It's, that's rich kid fiction. They all like to create this fiction. No offence for the very wealthy people listening, but they all create this hard luck story. <laughs> yeah, Lance, like, sorry oh. if you're listening. It was actually harder. Um, the amount of times I've heard this, um, it's actually harder having a, an uncle in the industry who, who, who can introduce me to everyone. It just puts so much pressure on. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll take the pressure. You give me the contacts. That's, we'll swap. No problem. <laughs> Here's something about TV that people don't know is... I actually find the broadcast or the podcast or or whatnot to like three people, the hardest ones and the ones that are on big television and tens of thousands, if not hundred thousand people are watching is the easiest. I think the challenge with those ones with, with viewers is the biggest challenge is perfection. You need to be perfect. And there's some other factors as well involved, but the challenges of I've done some broadcasts where the budget's been nothing and the quality you're doing them online you're not doing them in person there's all these factors that, that are just for you to fail and i find those ones the toughest there's not much information <laughs> out there so you're doing more information hunting but then you go on these big television broadcasts and things are handed to you like you said people are doing work there's more budget involved and i kind of go oh this is like having a great this is the analogy it's like having a great car you yeah. have a race winning car and you go and win a race <laughs> but i feel like those low budget broadcasts are like how can i win in a williams you know yeah. for example yeah, well, I mean, you know, a lot of the podcast world is uh, is transmitting to you know dozens, dozens of people. So I tend to not tell people how many people are. Li- I never mention the audience figures because I think I've made that mistake once before. Billions. Um, well, it was a couple of shows ago. I just looked at the stats and I said to everyone on the panel, I don't know if you were on this one, Alex, where I went, I've just looked at the stats and uh, ninety five thousand devices have downloaded a missed Apex uh, in the last month. And the people on the panel went like their eyes, like they, you know, went aghast. The colour <laughs> drained from their cheeks. And I go, oh, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have mentioned it. Everyone I talk to in the real world, when I mention I'm on a podcast, I have to mention the numbers. <laughs> Otherwise, they because don't. Because if, 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 if I say I'm, on, I'm doing a podcast and it's to a couple of hundred people, they don't care. But when you say that it's quite big numbers, like the 90,000 or you put out the figures at the end of the year, it's like 2 million. Yeah, yeah, 2 people million. People go, yeah. oh, wow, okay. Oh, it's a podcast podcast. Yeah, and that's about the same. That will end up just over 2 million downloads overall over the, the course of the year. So, I, I, But, Jono, to be honest, I, like, I just have a mm-hmm. mode. And it's always one person talking into the the mic, and that's always I, what I can control. So it's interesting to yeah. to hear you sort of have a have a difference, if you like. Um, I think the main difference is how much do you have to sort yourself. So if you're in a in a studio and literally all you have to do is put your fader up, I'm much happier then. For Miss Apex, yeah. I'm doing audio monitoring, video switching, yeah. all the managing all you idiots and tech. Alex, close your window. <laughs> Uh, Alex, pick the pen up. Alex, no, no, don't, don't headbutt the mic again. 
Haven't headbutted a mic in a really long time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I dropped a metal thing on the table before. That's the worst yeah, yeah, yeah. I've done for a while. We had a podcast once, Fernando, where I think we both hid our mics, I think, yeah. within 10 minutes of each other. Oh, so, yeah, yeah we, always, we make errors every now and then, you know. We, we crash into a wall and then have to make a pit stop, change the front wing. Point is, um, I, I do admire one thing about radio presenters is I, uh, I remember when I was doing university and they chucked me on, on radio and I'm like, this is like, what What am I doing here? I'm like, it's like having a steering wheel. All right, the F1 analogies are going to continue for the rest <laughs> of this podcast. We're locked in. Imagine having a steering wheel with all these buttons and you're going through a rouge and you're trying to talk and you adjust. That's crazy. Whereas on TV, somebody's doing the levels for you. Yep. You sit there and you do your job. And it's. I think that's with the beauty of TV, it becomes easier. The problem is TV, you kind of sometimes, uh, maybe, maybe it's controversial saying this, you sometimes just got to be born with, you know, not not ahead for radio, you know that quote. But um, I I can't tell you for how many years a big challenge being in Australia is if you're trying to make it, especially in a sport like Formula One. Is I remember doing a lot of I did sim racing commentary for seven years. You know I haven't done it for for a couple of years now. Well, I've done supercars, but that you know we won't talk about that. Basically, full time sim racing commentary for seven years, and doing three a.m. broadcasts to six a.m. and then having to go to work or something like that. And doing that on a regular basis, weekly, sometimes twice a week. And I remember doing it in in my first couple of years when I'm at uni. I'm like, this is not too bad. Then when you try to couple it with work and more commitments as you get older and you, you're waking up going everywhere with black eyes and it's, I'm not the only one to do it. There's many people out there, but that's the tough struggle. I think one yep. thing about Australia is as big as our country is in the land, our population is not that big and there isn't a market for many things in sports. And a lot of those limited jobs go out to former athletes or former drivers and, and that kind of stuff. So it limits yeah. the trained presenter, I feel like, to take on those presenter roles. Yeah, well, for me to break in and do anything, to get even at the minor level I had, I have had to work my full-time job be a parent and then work another full-time job working on my skills developing podcasts working it makes for free. you better wow it makes yeah. you much hasn't better. worked has it yeah. hasn't really worked it hasn't <laughs> advanced me much it, but hey that, that's like who was the guy who presented uh now now this might challenge you guys the um he passed away recently the the one who presented the price not the price is right it was a game show in the uh US. Oh, i've lost the name anyway <laughs> he, he didn't peak till he was in his 50s he uh, didn't get maybe. his first big role i'm not sometimes uh... you just don't know you know? uh, I'm not planning to live that long. Uh, but Alex Van Gene has lived <laughs> a long, long time. And from the glamorous world of, of TV and reporting, we go into the into the world of everyone's house has to be warmed up, Alex. And you are, I will say, <laughs> you are you're a sales executive, basically. And, and you're a very good one. You are one charming turnip. And you are uh, amongst the panel, Jono. You might have noticed that everyone else except Alex has some kind of communication. So TV reporter with Brad, it was his coaching and his communication. Uh, Chris was a, a journalist in Formula E and his PR communication. Matt is a, a performer and he was a blogger. Uh, Jules used to be an F1 journalist as well. So Christian is a radio DJ. Everyone on Mist Apex is there because I rate them as communicators. I have no idea what Alex does. I, I, Alex has none of those things. Um, I don't remember how Alex got on the show, and and, and here's an yeah, but here's an interesting thing. <laughs> I've, I've spoken to lots of people who are friends with you. No one can remember how they became friends with you. You just appeared. Yeah, because I'm a robot. I'm just a construct. <laughs> I just I, I'm just implanted. No, so I mean, yeah, I've been in sales since I was a kid. So it's the only job I've ever done. I didn't go to uni and all that kind of stuff because 
I knew I wanted to do sales, so mm. I didn't need to go to uni and do a business degree. Um, I attempted uh, a business course um, at college, and they were actively teaching us stuff. They go, this isn't going to be in the exam and isn't used today. And I'm like, why am I wasting my time? So I went and got a job. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, so it, it's it's always been interesting. The, the story of me joining Miss Apex <laughs> was because I had just become a dad. And Sorry. I was looking for something to listen to that is dad related, and I found Dad Hub, oh. which was which was um, oh, yeah. a passion Shush. project, I think, for Spanners uh, yes. and that, where they were just two dads <laughs> who wanted to talk about something yep. without that their wives won't listen to. Yeah, and so about being parents and being dads. Slight, very slight tangent on that was that me and my wife were doing a podcast. But we just kept falling out over it. So, like, a lot of the episode just wouldn't finish. They'd just cut off suddenly because she'd get all pissed off and she'd be like, oh, what? Are you, what are you Shut up, idiot. And then she'd walk off. So then I, it was me and Tony, actually, as well. We just went, well, being a dad's uh, horrible TV. as well. So, we, we, yeah, we, yeah. But anyway, yeah. So, yeah. I'm glad you found us that way. That's I'd forgotten that. Yeah, so that's how I that's how I found the show because then you guys talked about an F one podcast. You're like, I like F one too. Um, <laughs> so I started listening, and wherever you guys were good on the technical stuff and what was going on and the analytics, you, you fell down quite a lot on the racing side of things. Sure. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And obviously, I've been karting since since well, I say since a young age. I've been karting since my early twenties, and I was often going, mm, "That's not quite accurate. That's not quite how it works in the real life." <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, and you had somebody on the show who knew me through, funnily enough, through Brad, through BRKC, which is a series that Brad used to run, um, and said, oh, actually, this guy's a legit racer, so mm. have him on. I mean, I can't imagine how you'd respond now if somebody messaged you and went, you know I'm, what you're talking about, let me come on and talk to you. I've been a go- um, I've done go-karting before. <laughs> but, okay, so, so to people listening, it, it doesn't sound like much to kind of go, well, I've been racing and karting regularly or I'm a sim racer, but, but honestly the people who are out there doing regular karting championships, sim racing championships, or owner-driver things, like our, our friend Sam with his Peugeot 206 championship, like that that gives you a legitimate insight into racing that I didn't have. So then I started karting with you guys and doing Miss Apex events. And after I came off track, having lost a few scraps in the, in the midfield, and Brad said to me, he goes, oh... Because I get it now. You've got no racecraft uh, at all. Like you don't. You have got no <laughs> idea. But that has developed over the years doing uh, karting and doing sim racing, and it definitely gives you an appreciation for the very top level. And I, this is why I encourage everyone: go and play a game, go and do a sim, go go spend twenty five quid at your local kart track. Like it will transform your appreciation of the sport. Yeah, because I, I I often you often get comments on oh well, you've never driven F one car before so yeah racing is racing the cars just get faster the okay. the the <laughs> thoughts of so I missed that I was gonna say have they driven an F one car these yeah. people saying that what is Lance Stroll messaging you that feedback <laughs> yeah exactly um, nope not going there um, <laughs> so the 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 art of wheel to wheel racing the art the the uh, strategy behind how to put a car around the track following the racing line doesn't change from series to series you know a tin top might be slightly you've got to take a slightly different line through a different corner but the philosophies are the same can i add as well and and i can't stress how important even sim racing let alone real go-karting is because go-karting is pretty expensive not many people want to fork mm. out the money to do that but jumping on i racing and and learning how the world's best do it. It's not about this fancy equipment and this massive sim rig. Now, not a lot of people know this about me, that I was 
at one point, yours truly was one of uh, set a few records back on iRacing world oh, records. Let really? me say, oh, Mr. Hello. Simon. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, but anyway, I'm I'm just kidding with the arrogance. Earliest but... crash. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so point is that the the way that we drive quick, and and I know Alex, you're pretty quick on iRacing. I've had a look at your account. You got good scores and everything like that. Spanners, we can discuss uh, about your it's account. My son, it's my but, son. He plays. My son plays. He ruins it. Okay. Yes. Now. Basically, like you, you to to hit that level where you're hitting world records and doing this stuff. I have been in person watching other people do it. Uh, people have seen me do it, and people have seen the average people. It's hard to see what makes someone good, and it's like smooth driving. And somebody, for example, just like you know what I mean, is like point two of a second quicker on the throttle. It's like you don't notice that when you watch on TV. Whereas, like if it's football and somebody kicks a strike from halfway, and you're like, wow. Not many people can do that. Anyway, I thought I'd go off into that tangent. That's the value you bring, Van Jean. Well, listen, it, it's Genuinely what it's about. Yeah. It, 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 it's, you know, and it's that understanding of I've done, you know, the, the, the karting I've done is relatively low level, but I've always been in a pack. So I have great experience in pack racing, which is more experience than you get proper pack racing in, in the higher sports because they're they're spaced out more um so you know and i've got the experience of being able to just jump into whatever they've given me and make it work now moving into i can't believe i'm moving into this phase in my life when it comes to karting i three years ago i'd given up on karting i hadn't until um the middle of this year i hadn't been in a cart in three years and i got the opportunity to do the event with spanners and then actually got the opportunity for the first time in my life to have my own cart and i'm having to learn again Mm. because i now have a machine under me that has a setup and i now have to figure out what i want changed and then how to change it and i've now got to go and do that myself so it's a really big learning curve that yeah. i'm thoroughly enjoying to the point where originally the whole point was i'd buy this car it would live at brad's house brad would do all the work on it <laughs> and i'd just drive to the races with him which sounds really cushy but then throughout <laughs> the whole case of everyone else in the league working on their carts every single day, I got serious, serious FOMO to the point where I picked the cart up from Brad, made a space in my shed, and I stripped my cart and I built my cart by myself with a lot of telephone conversations with Brad. <laughs> but I built that myself. And I have a massive sense of achievement for that. And the series doesn't start till April. We've got a test um, in January, which I'm desperately trying to lose more and more weight for. Um, <laughs> so I'm so I'm bang on the limit by the time we get there in January. But it and it's just been a massive learning curve, and I'm having to the thing that I've the thing that I've learned from doing this that's given me a greater appreciation for F1 drivers is I'm out there during a race, I cannot think about what's going on with the cart while I'm battling. Well, what's going on with the car, if it's got a bit of understeer, a bit of oversteer, whatever that I might think about then changing once the race is over. I cannot think about that. How these guys go around at 200 miles an hour switching buttons and talking about strategy <laughs> and wanting to let somebody overtake so you can beat somebody. How they're doing that and they've got that mental um, acumen to make that work is just well, they're, phenomenal. Well, so, they're better than you, aren't they? That's the that's the key element there. They're smart and they're, they're young just, and they're, they're fit. Just, they're, I'm just trying not to die. Yeah, well, they get but, to do uh, it all the time, whereas you have to like carve out 100%. these small pockets of joy. You know, these, these small pockets for yourself. Once the the horrible children are fed, once mm. all the boilers have been sold. But uh, Alex, you. Most uh, them to you lately. 
Um, yeah, you've sold me two uh, boilers. I've sold you two. I've sold e- Molden. I've sold Molden a boiler. Even though that's not your your job, you're not on the shop floor. I really do appreciate the fact that you go in and you've you've sorted us all out whenever we've needed heating stuff. Um, but you're in the worst possible time. We said Jono is in the best time because he's like a beautiful, flourishing <laughs> flower covered in pollinating oh, don't bees. Say that. Um, I'm going to be there soon. Don't say that. <laughs> I, I'm slightly ahead of of Alex, where uh, my my kids can kind of you know feed themselves without without dying, um, and and I've sort of come out of the other end a little bit. But you are right, Alex, in that zone with your two wonderful little ones. How old are they? Like five and eight. Uh, they are eight and six. Eight and six. Oh my god! Why they're so eight close together? And, well, yeah. And, and, the, and the thing is, is it's a case of you know for the years that I've been doing this show. I've always done the majority of race shows, but that's because my kids were going to bed at like six yeah. o'clock. Yes, it doesn't so happen I could get on for yeah. a, I could get on for a quarter to seven, a quarter to eight call time. But now quarter to eight is bedtime, bath time, making yeah. dinner, all that kind of stuff, which is the whole reason I haven't been able to get on, apart from the odd day where I've gone like, maybe Lauren will just let me, let, 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 she'll do everything, and I'll and I'll and I'll go into the office and shut the door, um, which is a which is a tough thing, you know, to have a full-time job um okay i'm 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 based on the road so i'm out seeing customers it's the last week before it's the it's the last week before christmas when we're filming this and yeah. you know I'm, I'm i'm working from home a lot this week i've got a lot of admin to do and, and end of year stuff to do um but to do all that and then have to get onto the show has been really difficult and i've been sad because i've been missing it but also doing the show helps me enjoy the season more yes because yeah we get to yeah. you have to pay more attention <laughs> And because I haven't had a show to do, I've been like, oh, okay, I can, you know, talk to the kids. Well, yeah, because they're they're playing in front of the telly while I'm trying to watch. So if you ever think I've missed something, that's generally that's the why. reason. Well, actually, that's that's a big reason, like why podcasts are, are popular. So if I'm really enjoying a TV show, first thing I do is go and find like oh Game of Thrones podcast to to then kind of pick it apart because i often think like we've all watched the race why do you want to listen to us talking about it it's because that that's just that's what you want to do you want to kind of go a sanity check did i catch everything like what did that person think oh that person's an idiot and they're they're wrong but as much as listening to it helps you do that certainly producing and participating and it means wow i actually have to i have to take notes but i also think with f1 unlike football you can find anybody who's into football to have a conversation with because football is a because f1 is a lot more of a niche sport it's you you want it's a sense of community it's why we've got such a brilliant community in the slack group because they all live miles and miles apart hardly anyone in there knows each other from the real world and that's what that slack community does it brings a bunch of like-minded people together whenever i meet a customer who tells me they like f1 i my my whole body sort of changes because like oh we can have a conversation with one <laughs> there are particular customers i look forward to going to see because i know we'll spend most of the time talking about formula one well then as a dad um both of you are dads how do you feel about 24 races in oh year? god is this uh, this is a really it. good question it's a really good question there's just too many races for for my lifestyle and and it's only going to increase alex but you know as a as a dad or as a parent you have like spousal tokens because every non minute you spend not parenting is a minute your partner has to spend parenting so there's a fine negotiation for that and when it was like 18 19 races it was absolutely fine like f1 time is ring fenced time and i could get away with going kids daddy doesn't love you while the formula one is on 
<laughs> but now that has kind of stretched to it's going to be like 24, 25, 26. And then the sprint races. Well, I've got, well, I've got to watch the sprint races. And that, these are more times mm. where then the family doesn't organize to go on a day out. Yeah. So, so there's just going to come a time where, they, where she turns around and says, we can't not do family things because there's 30 F1 races a year. So, Alex, it's that, that fine negotiation, isn't it? I've, especially now that I've taken up this this karting series, oh, where it yeah. takes me away for a weekend at a time. I if if we have to go do a family thing that's over a race weekend, I'll bitch and moan about it internally. But I've got to go. Okay. <laughs> yep. And, okay. And, and, and like, uh, I, I'm going to have a drink so you can drive and I sit there in the car with the, with the phone out watching the race. <laughs> but the the benefit, the only benefit I have is my wife likes F1. Ah. Um, she's she's oh. she's taken a back seat with a lot of it recently just because time and whatever and if i'm i'm much more into it than she is obviously but she doesn't mind it she'll sit there she'll watch the start of the race she'll sit with me and watch the race um the kids are starting to like it too which does help um one of the early races recently uh i came downstairs in the morning and both kids followed me downstairs very shortly after can we watch the race with you I'm like, <laughs> well that's nice that's nice my, my boy went <laughs> through seasons of just he, he stopped caring um but now he's suddenly back into it this season and now it's a big like he wants to sit down and and watch the race and have the live timings up. But it's taken it's taken him to thirteen really to to get into it uh, properly. So so the thing is, you and your wife, you do seem like really well suited, and you and you seem to kind of get along and like you're an effective team. Me and my wife have nothing in common. She has never sat and watched a whole Formula One race. She she wants to like she'll talk to people as if she's involved in you know, in my life in podcasting. But, you know, she's never, ever once listened to a single episode of any podcast I've ever done. Like, she's that, just... That's, that, there's good and bad with that. I think there's good with <laughs> Alex's situation. I think there's good with your situation. It depends what your personality is. You know, sometimes some people like separation, like by watching <laughs> F1 and they don't have their personal people bothering them. But I always go and watch, I watch her gigs when she's up on stage doing sing songs. And I think like, <laughs> well, why don't you listen to my podcast? She never does. The only thing she ever listened to was when I hosted a gardening show and she would tune into that. I'd be like, I don't even know. I don't even know anything about gardening. Why are you listening to me talking about gardening? Uh, but yeah, your your unit, Alex. I, I like I like your unit. You're very nice people. We we've we've got it we've got it quite well. We we work well as a team. I mean, we we were friends before we got together, um, and we've known each other since school, kind of. Um, so there's a lot of that that goes with it, and we we got together because of the mutual things that we liked. Um, rather than just meeting in a nightclub kind of thing. Um, oh. But the, 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 the difference as well is I do a lot around the house. You know, I do, I do a lot of the, I do the majority of the cooking. I'm at the, in the morning when Lauren's got to get okay. the kids I'm, out of the I'm house messaging Lauren now as we speak, saying Alex is saying he does <laughs> most of his stuff around she'll, the house. She'll, she'll, she'll tell you, she'll tell you, check you know, that. but, you know, because, you know, I work from home a lot and I don't need to leave that early most days. You know, Lauren, all, Lauren has to get the kids out at the house at quarter past seven because she works at the school the kids go to um but i'll get up i do their breakfast and i do everything else to get them sorted so that they're ready to go and their snacks and all that kind of thing so i do a lot um you know i couldn't ask to do a lot of the things that i want to do <laughs> and the hobbies that i've got and the things i want to do if i didn't it's a bargaining, it's the only thing it's, bargaining. It's, it's the only difference between me and lauren is she hasn't got many hobbies um which bugs me because yeah. i'd like for her to have hobbies um mm -hmm. because People, I think, are happier when they've got hobbies. But you know, we've got it. We, you're right. We, we've got a good family unit, and 
we're good people, I like to think. I got two questions. Whatever happened to Dad Hub? And did Alex ever jump on Dad Hub when that came out? <laughs> yeah. Um it, it was from another time in my in my life. Um I I I, I think um the the problem with parenting podcasts is uh, everyone's in such different stages. We just happened to find that little bubble where everybody was in that stage where the, it's that first shock of becoming a parent and you you go, oh, I see. Oh, I get it now. I've never actually been busy in my whole life. I've never actually had no time because you always go, I haven't got any time for that. Like I've got such a bit. You don't understand busy until you're then thrust into a family unit and you go, oh, wow. The, the time is so narrow and precious, uh, but I'm up at the other end now. I've got nothing to complain about. If anything, you know, it's great. I can send the kids to the shops. You know, they, they, they help around the house. So if anything, it gets easier. I've got nothing to complain. you're both in secondary school now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I've got nothing to so complain they make about. So they make their own way. Easy. Pe- oh, yeah, no, no, no. Like, there's no reason for me to wake up in the morning. So we, I have, we, have, I hate you. we have waved them off from beds before. We don't often do it because normally we get up, have breaks and everything. But we have done it before. We go, okay, good luck. Bye. Off you go. Um, guys, I hope you think that this is a, a valuable use of time. Obviously, we've come in with the topic. We've chatted for an hour. And I would say it's optional for these Meet the Panels. You could just turn it off if you think, ah, this isn't interesting. I don't care what Uncle Steve and, and that Canadian lady are like outside of Mist Apex stuff. So it's completely optional. It's non-canon. You won't miss anything if you switch off. But me personally, I've enjoyed getting to know Jono, little Jono, a little bit better. And old crusty Van Jean over there. So join us for more topics and meet the panel throughout the winter. Until we see you next, work hard, be kind and have fun. This was Miss Apex Podcast. When we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/style for free shipping and 365-day returns.